Welcome to the Forensic Cop Podcast. Liverpool 2, West Ham 1. This is feeling like a more familiar scoreline that I'm comfortable with. What are your thoughts? Yeah, it's feeling like a familiar scoreline that I'm... But I'm not going to say I'm comfortable because honestly, this one felt like the games before we got Allison and Van Dyke. It felt like those games where we knew we could score and we finally got through. But then at the end of the game, I was not supremely confident that they wouldn't get one back. I'm I'm actually starting to get quite concerned about the toothlessness of our attack. And I know that individually, well, now really it's mostly Mo Salah. His, his numbers are, are good, but whenever we get the ball on the break or when they're attacking, I, I never feel confident that they're going to score, unlike before when I would expect them to score every single time that they attacked. But until the two subs came on, which we'll come to later, I just was not convinced they were going to score a goal. So it's weird. I agree with you in the sense that their attack seems toothless. But then at the same time, I've somehow been programmed by this team to believe that the goal will come. Like, I feel like the attack isn't clicking. It's not where it should be. It's not the insanely dangerous attack that we had two years ago. But I still feel like somehow through some individual something, we're going to find a way to get that goal. And for the most part, that's what happens. Um, but it's not the way we want to go because we don't want individual effort to get it. Exactly. E- even though it continues to get it and we continue to grind out wins, which is a good sign given that we're not playing too well. But still, I'm to your point, I'm, I'm starting to feel like I'm watching the Liverpool from prior to Van Dijk, Allison, Fabinho. I mean, from a defensive point of view, honestly, I'm starting to have the like carious feel where no lead is safe and them scoring is just a given. Like the the opposition scoring is just a given. Um, so I, that's kind of where I'm starting to get to. And um, I'm not enjoying the end of games. No, I agree. And I suppose we can come and talk about um, Nathaniel Phillips. And that's where I was happy to have a defender like him in the lineup who would just clear it first first and foremost, before trying to control and look pretty on the ball. He knows his limitations, and he just hoofed the ball when he had to. And that's what I needed as a fan in in the closing moments. So let me ask you, so since you brought him up, what do you think? Uh, Phillips was chosen over other potential um, players, such as uh, Reese could have been in there as well. Um, I mean, theoretically, we could have had Hendo back there. Um, What do you think of putting Phillips in? I think it was the only option because if we look at the other players that he could have put there, Reese Williams is, he's still young and still slight for um, a game against a team like West Ham or even last week, Sheffield United, for instance, who will continue to bulldoze you and, and, and attempt to win uh, the long balls in the air. Um, Henderson at the back there, I, I'm not against except it now weakens our midfield even further especially without Thiago there and in the game Henderson was quite influential even though he didn't have his best game but he was he put in a typical captain's performance where he was driving the play linking the defense with the midfield talking to everybody at at every moment and so I I I think it made sense to have Matt Phillips back there for 
a game like this, I would not put him against Man City. Absolutely like it, not. it's to, to your point, I think it's interesting in Champions League. I'm okay with Reese Williams because the game is different. You can't you can't take the physical liberties that you can in the EPL. Right. Um, and so Phillips will stand up better to the rigors of an incredibly physical offensive team. Um, and so I agree with you. I think against Man City, we'd be in a lot of trouble with Reese in there. But I think, uh, I mean, you know what? Say what you will. And I I will say, um, you know, Nat Phillips is probably down on the depth chart as far as potential long-term. But he's just flat out a solid defender. Yeah, he's a good, he's a great fourth choice defender. So, So put it this way. I would rather I'd be more comfortable with him playing, say, 10 games for Liverpool than Lovren playing 10 games because he would, Nafils would give you a six and a half out of 10, maybe sometimes a seven out of 10, pretty much for most games. Lovren will give you a couple of eights and a few fives and fours, right? And you would never know when those fives and fours would come. So, um, and then also, I think more importantly is the rest of the team would know that Nat Phillips is a weaker player. And so they would give him a lot more options on the ball, right? So he wouldn't have to come too much out of his shell as much as Lovren, who chooses to pretend. Who to chooses to do things that we don't understand. Right. Um, so I, I would agree with you in that. Um I think so. Here's a question, which again, we're talking about he's a great fourth choice defender. I would actually go further. I would say that there are probably some teams in the EPL that would have him as one of their starting two. I can agree with that. I mean, I think we have the luxury of looking at a guy like Nat Phillips and saying, man, if he comes on, we've had a bad run of luck. But the truth is, I mean, from what he showed, it's, it's again, a solid six and a half to seven game in, game out. There are lots of teams that would love to have that. Yeah, and he he is still only he's not he I know he's not as young as a lot of people assume he is, but he's still only twenty three. So he's well um, away from his reaching his peak as a defender. So he's only going to improve. And he was on loan at Stuttgart last last season in uh, the Bundesliga two, and I'm sure that he learned a lot there because um, when he came back to the game against Everton. He was a lot more solid than I remembered seeing him in preseason because that was the only time that I seen him play for Liverpool. And um, yeah, the fact that he's still hanging around shows that Klopp and the team trust him to to play a, a part. Yeah, no, I mean, I think when you look at him, you don't have like the feel that you have with Gomez at 23, which is if this guy can, can just figure out one or two aspects of the game in Gomez's sake, um, a few decisions here and there and the heading you're talking about one of the top defenders with Nat Phillips. I don't think it's that I think he can improve some areas slightly, but I mean, you know what? Let's be honest in the game. It felt like for the first time since Matip and go and uh, uh, Van Dyke went down, I wasn't as afraid on corner kicks and I wasn't as afraid on crosses into the box. Agreed. Which maybe I should have been afraid for the cross in the box because man did Gomez screw that one up. Yeah, but I'm no longer surprised, and I'm I I told myself I'm not going to be hard on him on this podcast because um, he is a good defender. He has a lot of potential, and we all know his weaknesses. Apparently, it's been a weakness since he was a teen, and so yeah, there's nothing more to say about his heading. I think. But sorry, I interrupted. Yeah, um, Nat Phillips heading. 
looked good to me. Yeah, yeah, that's clearly one of his strengths. He's 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 a tall defender. Um, he's very old school. He's not trying to um, do Cruyff turns on the ball and just you know pass sleek um, balls through the midfield. Although I did see a couple of instances where he, I was pretty impressed with his passing on the ground. Um, it was almost well, I'm, well, it was almost Thiago esque, but a lot obviously less skillful. But it was very so precise balls where you would assume he'd pass it out to Trent, but he'd just quickly switch and pass it to Hendo in the middle, for instance. So I was, I was quite impressed with that. So there's clearly something there. And he knows his limitations, like I said. I remember when Jamie Carragher was, was about to really start getting into the Liverpool team. We all, we all knew that it was more about his heart than his skill. He was just very, very average skill-wise. But he, was, he, was, he had heart and he had persistence, and that's what enabled him to to build a, a, a great Liverpool career. And, and so I, I don't know if Nat Phillips will remain a Liverpool long-term, but for sure he, he will become a good Premier League defender. Well, whether it's in the Premier League or elsewhere, he will be a first-team defender most likely, um, unless he chooses to stay on the bench for Liverpool is, is kind of the way. I think, like, like you said, a fourth-choice defender, I think he's... I mean, we're super lucky to have a fourth choice defender like him. Um, in a year or two, I would say he'd be a really good third choice defender, and it all depends on whether he would want to stay. But I, yeah. I suspect he'd want to go for first team minutes, and I, I he'll get them wherever he goes. Yeah, and then if you look at the defenders coming up beneath him, um, who are a lot younger, in in two years they'll be more ready for the team, and they they have a higher higher ceilings. So I don't think that he's he'll be a Liverpool long term. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. But look, at the end of the day, it wasn't just that he got his head on the ball. It was his body position for those headers. It's like one of those things that you notice with Gomez. When he misses the when he misses a header, he also hasn't blocked out the other guy. Exactly. But with Nat Phillips, it was like even if the other guy got his head on it, his body was up against the other guy. He was physical with him. Like, you know, for a 23-year-old who's, I mean, was this his debut for an EPL game? Yes that's you know what like that's just well done and to your thing of of the the one or two passes that he had that seemed to be like a good breakout um i suspect those aren't natural for him because it wasn't his it it seemed the whole game like he could have done more but i think to your point he played within himself and those one or two passes he was sure of when he was unsure, he hoofed it, and that's it. what it is. You know, play it safe. But on the ones that he was absolutely sure he was comfortable with, he put them out. I bet you that's something they've been working on. Yeah, yeah, most likely. And and that's one thing that Klopp for sure appreciates. He appreciates people or players who who are willing, who have the desire to learn and the humility to to take instruction, even if it goes against what they're naturally comfortable with. So I think that's probably one of the biggest reasons why he's still around. In terms of the uh, first goal, I uh, feel like, you know, it's it's one of those things where it feels like teams aren't generating goals on us so much as we're giving them away. And this is just another example of that. And I'll have to go back and look at the stats, but it seems as if most of the games I recall this season, we concede on the opponent's first shot. I could be wrong about that, but that's certainly what it seems like. So there's something going on there where... So- uh, so here's here's my take on it, which is uh, wildly unprofessional, uh, not a st- statistician take. I feel like last year we had a lot of breaks where they'd have a glorious chance 
or we'd have a horrible giveaway and they would somehow screw it up. Like, you know, our opponents should have had goals on more chances than they scored on. So if you actually look at the numbers, the expected goals last year against us was much higher, was like seven goals or something higher than was actually scored against us. So the numbers do bear out that there should have been more goals against us. But this year, I feel like those chances that weren't being put away last year are being put away this year. Because to your point, we make one mistake, they get one shot, and we're behind in the game. First shot, first goal, it feels like every game. Yeah, and and I wonder how much of that has to do with the opponents just now believing they can actually score as opposed to last season where there was this mystique that we, we maintained for most of the season where it almost seemed impossible for them to break us down and, and to score. So when they found themselves in that position, they're thinking, oh my goodness, I have a shot. Um, I don't know if I'm going to make the shot, but let me just uh, give it a good go. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, I, I did run the numbers last year and it's clear that people were afraid to shoot on Allison. So um, with good reason. Now, I don't think he's quite the uh, the goalie that he was maybe two years ago. He's obviously still fantastic, but he's, you know, maybe lost a step or gotten a bit unlucky or whatever it is. Um, and yeah, I think people believe they can score on him now where they didn't before and they were making, they were trying to be too perfect with their shots. And, and I think that's my biggest concern about the front three because it's clear that the way the season is going in general, not just for Liverpool, it is going to be a slugfest. And so you will have to outscore your opposition, which I know sounds pretty basic, but we, we will assume that every team we face will score one or two goals against us. So we have to be looking for three goals, four goals. And we, we've been able to do that so far, but at some point we will not be able to, given the way that they're they're not as cohesive as they used to be. And so that's my concern. Well, I mean, the cohesiveness, I mean, I'll bring up the thing that we've talked about the whole season, which is Firmino. I mean, I don't know how you're cohesive with two wingers and nobody playing down the middle. Because whatever Firmino's doing, it's not playing football. He's, he's like, like I'm, I'm watching him and he's, I mean, I'm sure he's trying. I don't, I don't want to criticize him for effort, but he's not involved in a lot of plays. He's trying his stupid little footwork stuff and little flicks that two years ago looked pretty and, and worked great, but now are just giving the ball away. Like he seems to be giving the ball away a lot more than he used to. And for a team that is predicated on keeping the ball and generating chances, he's not helping us right now. So th- I think the biggest conundrum that Klopp has is if this was any other player, I would say, or if this was, this was any other team, I would say that it makes sense to put him on the bench for a few games and then have him come on as a sub, not only to not only because of his form, but also just to give him a mental break, allow him to just observe the game from from the sidelines, not put too much pressure on himself, and then slowly, hopefully, play himself back into form. But every game that comes up on the weekend. I ask myself, would I start Firmino? And I say yes, because I'm just hoping that he'll click. And when he clicks, we click. But every game that comes, I get disappointed. Yeah, but at some point, we need to stop hoping. I mean, let's be honest. You know, um, we we have not had a bench to challenge the front three, as it were, in, in prior years. Uh, now, I would say, I mean, look at what happened when we made our switch. 
that looked like a really nice team. Uh, there think, was more flow. There were more chances. It was more dangerous. But I think that was more to do with Shakiri than Jota. So if you replace Shakiri with Jones and leave the front three up there, I would suspect that they would look a lot more dangerous. And even even if Firmino is tracking back and doing his little thing in front of our back four, Shaq would would be playing the number ten role and then being being able to feed uh, Mosala and Sadio Mane. So what if you replace Firmino with Shaq? That's interesting. I know. I know. I know. It's not something I would normally have said, but. His shot, his vision, his ability. I mean, let's face it, Firmino's not heading any more balls in. He's not doing anything aerially. So having a shorter guy in the middle isn't going to you know, hurt us. Um, I don't know. What, how would you feel about that? that that's interesting. Um, but then is he playing a false knight position or is he playing a number 10? In which case, Salah and Mane would have to drift in a bit. I mean, I'm not, I'm not thinking it through to that level. I'm more thinking you have a player on the bench who in the limited time that he's played is showing kind of what we wished Firmino would do. Right. I I, think, yeah, I would sooner play a midfield of Henderson and Wijnaldum given all the injuries right now, and then have Shaq at the top and then have the, the front three. Allow Firmino to do whatever he wants to do because he's not going to play a number nine role, which is fine. But at least now he becomes a fourth midfielder. And then Shaq and Mane and Salah become the front three. I, I guess I'd be, I'm I'd, just... be, I'd be more comfortable with that. But yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting thought. I never really thought about replacing Shaq with Firmino as opposed to Shaq with another midfielder and then Firmino with Jota. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, it's interesting. Jota does not seem to be, again, I think he's he's played great and we'll get to him, but he doesn't seem to be in the Firmino mold, which is he doesn't seem to be that grand facilitator. Um, he seems to be the finisher and he makes good runs. He brings good energy. He's, you know, more of a natural replacement in in our setup for uh, Salah or Mane as opposed to for Firmino. So I'd agree with that. Do you think that, our defensive side, do you think that all we're simply missing is a an informed Roberto Firmino to, to, to transform us again to the team we were a couple years ago? Um, well, I think if we had an informed Roberto Firmino, I think we'd be much, much more dangerous than we were. Yeah. Uh, back four aside, right. actually, no, back two aside, because I think Alexander-Arnold is significantly better than he was two years ago. Um, I think Robertson is probably marginally better, although that's negligible. But I think you have a guy like Tiago in the middle. You have a guy like Shaq in the middle, potentially. If you have the front three the way they were clicking before, I don't know how you would stop this team. If Firmino was clicking, Tiago was on, I wouldn't even care that Van Dyke was out because we'd be getting three, four goals a game. That would be an automatic it would be a question of, can we prevent three goals? If we can prevent three goals, I'd like our chance to win. So yeah, I think Firmino makes a big deal. So it, it is really true then that he makes us tick because now he's not ticking and neither are we. Well, I don't know necessarily that he makes us tick. What I can say is the way he was playing before as an elite center player, um, 
would make a world of difference. Now I almost feel like we're playing a man short half the time because he's got a lot of giveaways. He's slowing down the play. Like it's just, it's, it's not what he's used to. I don't know if he's frustrated. I don't know if he's, you know, just not there mentally. I don't know what it is, but it, it feels like he's almost sometimes doing more harm than having nobody there. I agree. So, I mean, that's rough. But, I mean, look, at the end of the day, we gave up the first goal. Uh, we came back. What did you think of the penalty call? I think it was a penalty call, and that's it. I'm not sure what it, what all the fuss is about. So, I'll, I'll simplify it. I think it was a foul. But somehow, we've gone to the point where we feel like a foul inside the box is different than a foul outside the box. So... If that was outside the box and Salah goes down, I think nobody argues. The right. fact that it was in the box, now everybody's arguing. The one thing I will say, and I don't like it, and I don't know exactly what it says, um, is every time Salah goes down, I'm always hearing commentary, whether it's the commentators of the game or after the game or pundits or whatever, talking about how he went down soft, this and that, where when you see a guy like Kane go down, Oh, he was clever. Yeah, I know. That's that's an experienced play, and it's like n- no, like and and again, I'm not going to call anyone anything. I just the narrative needs to be the same for everyone. Salah got hit on the leg. He went down. That's a clever play. That's the right play. Because how many times have we seen him in the box being strangled and manhandled, and no call is made because he tries to stay on his feet? Right. Right. And and Kane goes down, and all of a sudden he's a clever, wily player. No, Salah's turned into the same. And I agree with you. I mean, the the three-point harness that guys have him in half the time in the box, and he's not going down, He, I think he's realized that's not the way to go. Right. He gets mauled in the box, and now he's starting to realize that you just need to go down. Yeah. Especially and, if you're kicked. When you're kicked, then there's no debate. When you're held, then the referee now has a call to make because it's, it's completely subjective, as we saw in the Man, Man U game where... Um, there was a chokehold put on. Uh, <laughs> and 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 when Pickford goes to take out your knee with a baseball bat, that's called just good football. But I'm I'm still bitter. But I'll try to I'll try to let it, at some point in the season I'll try to let it go. But I suspect I won't be able to. <laughs> um. So no, I mean good good. Uh, I think it was a fair fair foul call. But that being said, I didn't like the penalty shot. I mean, right down the middle. Yeah, I don't know why keepers don't just stand still against Mo Salah. Because you have a better chance of saving it if you just stand still as opposed to trying to guess one way or the other. Because he often goes down the middle, and if he doesn't, you're not going to save it anyway. So why not just stand there? Yeah, I mean, say what you will about Milner, but he doesn't play those games. He picks his spot. I mean, Milner could tell you where he's putting it, and it wouldn't make a difference. He wouldn't get there. Exactly. And so I'd like to see Salah do that too, but I mean... Either but way, to be fair, he hasn't missed. He only he's only missed once one penalty for Liverpool, and that was in his first season. I think his first season a long time ago, and he hasn't missed since then. So hey, as long as he keeps scoring, but I'm never confident when I see him step up. Yeah, when Milner steps up, I'm confident. Right. Like I feel like Milner could go up there and call his shot, like just point to the corner and be like, "That's where I'm putting it," and it just wouldn't make a difference because that's where he'd put it, and the goalie wouldn't get it anyway. And, Salah, and it'd, be, it'd be so accurate that even if the goalie hits it it'll just it'll, it'll come for a rebound and someone else will finish it that's oh, the type of penalty he takes no, it, i would i would actually go further even if you get it i think it goes through you because he puts power behind it 
Right. He's accurate with power. I mean, what's the point of trying? Like, honestly, with Milner, I would just play off center. If I was a keeper, I'd play off center and I'd force him into some sort of mind game that I'd probably lose anyway. But I mean, standing in the middle, you're going to lose. He's going he's gonna to put it through. But to your point, with Salah, I'm not confident. But I mean, say what you will. He scored them all so far. Um, but yeah, so I feel like we did stagnate. And I think that the the new players coming on made a big difference. What was yeah, your take I, on them? I would agree. Um, I mean, I like Jones as a player. He's definitely playing within himself because he's playing to instruction. And I, I think that is starting to make it seem as if he's not having the greatest games when really he's just simply as what's the right word he's as ineffectual as the rest of them <laughs> oh you know what i'm I'm not gonna i i didn't want to laugh but you're right like i've i've seen him uh unleashed as it were and it's it's fun to watch but seeing him in this midfield is to your point He's been told to be they like Klopp's got the leash on him and said, you do this, you do this, you do this, and it'll look boring and it will seem like you do nothing, but that's the plan. Now I think he's doing the plan to the T. Yeah. And fair play to him because it must be internally frustrating when you know how much talent you have and everybody knows how much talent you have, but you can you're being held back. And in the end, I think it'll it'll put him in good stead because he will grow into the team and slowly but surely um, his skill will continue to come out. I just hope that it's not trained out of him as has happened to some players, in particular Jordan Henderson, right? When he was younger, he was a lot more confident or able to or allowed to exhibit the skill that he has. Now he's just turned into a sideways passer, right? Um, well, he seems to have refound a little bit of his form uh, since he was moved out of the defensive uh, midfielder role. Um, I don't think he's at the level that he was to your point, but there's still something left, but I don't know. I, you know, I, I don't want to question Klopp because I mean, I'm not insane, but you know, I, I, there's so much that Jones can bring. And, and I think, I feel like we're seeing not like Genie where I feel like we're seeing like only 80% of them. I feel like we're seeing like 20% of Jones. Right. Because we've already seen eighty percent of Jones in 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 a, in a few of the early games this season and in preseasons. Yeah. So we all we all know what he can do. Um, but he's he's young. His time will come, and I'm just happy that he's getting the the trust and the game time. Um, I just wish some that I would see him come off the bench a little bit more often with the instruction to just go and cause havoc. That's what yeah, I, I feel I feel like the the Jota role almost like where where. Uh, Klopp just tells him, you know what, go out and just bring energy and make something happen. Right. Right. Um, so, I mean, I guess the other side is, you know, it, it worries me because it feels a little bit like uh, Nabi Keita, who even Klopp has admitted that trying to change him into something he's not damaged his game. Right. So that's where I, I again, not that I should be questioning Klopp because, of course, I shouldn't. But, you know, I just I don't want to see the same thing happen to... Uh, to Jones because he's a young kid and he's got a lot to give like like to your point when we've seen him go he's he's fun to watch so yeah maybe coming off the bench is better for him um but yeah what about the other so the subs um Shaq and uh and Jota I mean there's not really much you need to say after a performance like that but thoughts 
Yeah, I, I, I'm so impressed with Jota's mentality. The, the ability for him to put aside the VAR decision and then still be on hand to confidently and calmly slot in the winner. And and also, I'm not sure. I, I think it was him who yelled at Mane not to touch the ball when, when he, he had the through pass from Shaq. That's just showing the confidence that he now has that he, he is a Liverpool player, he is part of the team, and he does have the right to score before anybody else. Yeah, I mean, so let's let's go to the uh, disallowed goal. Um, I know we actually disagreed on this one where you saw it as a foul. So I've rewatched it and very, very closely, and Mane's leg actually goes under the keeper. He doesn't that, actually hit the no, keeper. That, that's not the point. You don't slide in on a goalie like that and not expect a foul to be called. Full stop. In my mind, even even in real time, when I watched that, I was thinking that that surely will be called back for a foul against the goalie. And then, so, uh, well, th- the real point is Mane needs to stop doing that because I I don't know how he did break his leg. To be honest with you. So I I agree. When I saw it in real time, I was thinking, oh my god, what did he do? One, two. Of course, that's going to be a foul. Um, so rewatching it, I actually came away with a different view than when I watched it live. So that's why I'm actually kind of surprised. But um, I agree with you. That's it's it's a little bit reckless, and he's been reckless for you know it. Not that he's been reckless. He's not Jordan Pickford, where you watch him and you're like, this guy's going to injure someone. Where he really does, it it does look like he's a little bit out of control sometimes. And I mean, yeah, that that could have been a broken leg, and it wouldn't have been a surprise if it had been. Yeah, because I, I I remember when there was when he was tackled when he was injured. I think it was in an Everton game. He was fouled, but he certainly. I'll have to go back and rewatch it, but he though he was a little bit culpable for that play too. Not that he he fouled, but he he just didn't take care of himself the way say Mo Salah always takes care of himself in a fifty fifty challenge, right? So oh, I, Mo Salah I, I is the that. exact opposite. Right. And Mo Salah will bail before any potential contact comes when it comes to legs. And, I mean, and upper I, body, he fights them off, but he, he preserves his legs. And I'm totally okay with that. So, yeah, I, I agree. I just wish that Sadio Mane, I know he scored quite a few goals with that um, recklessness, quote unquote recklessness. But when I watched that play again, how his foot went underneath the goalie, I mean, that was just, that could have been bad. And it's just not worth it. Well, I mean, I guess he knows what he's doing. Um, I don't know. It was a little bit scary. I, I got to say, uh, on first watch, so what I would say is I feel like it was similar to uh, to uh, the Sala penalty shot. If, you, if the referee doesn't call it, I can see VAR leaving it where it is. But the yes, fact that he I said agree. it was a goal and then it was overturned, that one I don't see. Because you can clearly see the leg go under the goalie. The cleat's on the other side of the goalie, not in the goalie. But that's not the point, though. It, it, it's not because he wasn't, it wasn't called a foul because he hit the goalie. It was, it was uh, what's the term? Dangerous. It was a dangerous play? Yeah, it was a dangerous play. And it was, you know. I'll, uh, I'll, have, to, I'll have to rewatch that Pickford one to find out what a dangerous play is. No, but no, but that's a separate <laughs> argument. I mean, that was just incompetency on, on, on the referee's um, behalf. Well, but, and and so what I would say is I don't disagree that that was, but the problem is that I feel like the Pickford play has set a marker 
and now you're asking, now other decisions don't make sense. So Mane's, Mane was at least going for the ball in control of himself. And I agree it was a dangerous play, but you can't like, I feel like now every play can be called into question because they let that one for Pickford go. But anyway, that's not the point. No, but they've so, essentially admitted that they made a mistake, right? Because the, the referees were taken off duty for the following week. So you know, you know. So they, that's them saying that they made a mistake. They so could have just we, said we, they made a mistake. They could have used I, the words "we made a mistake." I know, but they're not going to do that, right? I know. So they they tacitly admitted it. Um, but no, I mean, I agree. I think uh, Mane coming in was a little bit reckless. But to your point, Jota mentally, um, you know, he he had a goal disallowed that he felt should have been allowed, and then what are we talking? Three four minutes later, um, he goes on and and gets. Get the goal. So uh, five minutes, not even five minutes later, he goes out and he gets a beautiful goal. Uh, what did you think of the offside on that one for Mane? The passive oh, offside. Um, I mean, th- that's not an offside anymore, right? I don't, I don't see them call that anymore. Now, did he distract the goalie? Of course he did, right? But I've never seen them call that as, as offside, so you just have to accept that. Yeah, I, I agree. Actually, so personally for me, I want to see that called every time because I think the keeper is confused for a split second about who's going to get the ball. But what's wrong with that, though? It's a tactic, right? I mean, it's the Pep special, right? Yeah. He's been he's been using that for years. And right. and you see Real and Barcelona do it all the time. All the time. Like that's, that's I mean, if they went up, you know, to, to a goalie and put their hands over his eyes, I wouldn't be surprised at this point. Like they work the passive offside rule like nobody's business. So this is, I feel like this was a bit lucky in terms of not lucky, but I, like this was an unintentional time that this happened. I'd actually personally like to see it more because it's useful and other people do it. So we need to start playing that kind of game. Um, but yeah, I mean- yep. You can the only see thing f- I'll say, the only thing I'll say is, it wasn't, it wasn't by design, right? It was because Mane tends to drift offside. I remember in the Champions League final against Tottenham when Origi scored uh, the second, Mane was totally offside and he was going to tap it in. And I'm thinking, aren't you aware of where you are? Like, aren't you aware that you were offside? Why are you rushing at that ball, right? So, if it was off. If it was by design, I'd I'd be a lot more uh, confident that yeah, it, it, it's a great tactic to use going forward. But I think Manning just needs to be a little bit more aware of his surroundings as a and you know to be fair, he's not a striker, right? So maybe he just doesn't have that instinct. So I'll be honest with Salah and Mane, and this is a criticism that I can't believe I'm making. They're kind of lazy to get back on side. So yeah. I, I'm rewatching the play, and both Salah and Mane, and they do this all the time. They walk back. So after the defenders take three steps up quickly, they take the time, they walk it back instead of running back with them. And right. we've seen Salah and Mane caught before on those plays. If they would hustle back to the line, to the defensive line, they would have probably more goals than they do now. Yeah. So um, it's not by design. They're not strikers, right? Which is why we need Firmino to step up or now that we have... Diogo Jota, he's more of a striker, so he'd be more aware of that. He, he's probably spent years being trained to do things like that, right? As opposed to Mane and Mosala, who are essentially wingers. That's cool. Well, I mean, uh, what, what do you want to say about the Shaq pass? Through the legs, perfectly weighted. Yeah, I mean, he and 
Thiago probably the only play and Kato as well are are the only midfielders in our team that have the awareness to to even look for those types of passes, which is unfortunate because that's really what we're missing in our midfield. Yeah, could you imagine if we actually had a midfield of those three? <laughs> like imagine Thiago was the defensive midfielder and then you had Keita and Shaq. So say we're playing against a team who you know is just gonna sit back. Yeah, exactly. That would be that would be a midfield to unlock a team like that. But uh, no, I mean, great play. Even through the players' legs, it was uh, even more special on you saw it on replay. Um, and so here's a question for you that just occurred to me. I feel like this was um, not the first time that Jota and Mane have been kind of in the same spot going for the same ball. This time, Jota yelled at him to let it go. But in the past, they've actually interfered with each other. Are they like extremely similar players or what's going on there? Yeah. So, so I think they are. And it's always surprising that he, Diogo Jota doesn't come on for Mane, right? So usually when he comes on, he replaces another player. So Firmino, let's say, and then Mane is switched to the right and Salah is moved to the middle, but somehow Mane finds himself in the same position <laughs> as Diogo Jota anyway. So yeah, um, yeah I, I think that'll just take time to work itself out. But uh, I agree. They, they they both lean to the left and come uh, in from that side to to want to strike the ball. Um, so so it's good at least now they're communicating. And like I was saying earlier, if you compare this to the first game that Jota played in, where um, they were just taking the ball off him uh, because he was he was indirectly just paying respect that he's he, he's the new guy, right? But now he has the confidence to to ye- yell at them and tell them that this is his goal or this is his ball. So that's good to see. Well, I mean, let's be honest. He's proved it. He's, oh, yeah. uh, do you, so here's a question. Do you want to see him start or do you think he's just the guy to bring off the bench at the 60 minute mark? Yeah, it, it, it depends on the game, right? So the next game in the league is against Man City. I do want to see the same front three. So Firmino, Mane, Salas to start that game. My, my concern is the midfield. I don't want to see like Milner, Henderson and, Jones, for instance, not because I don't like Jones, but because he'll be told to just play defensively or Wijnaldum. I would like to see Henderson, um, Tiago, and oh yeah, Tiago. If he's available, I'm sure he will be. So Tiago, Henderson, and maybe Wijnaldum. No, Genie's going to be on there because yeah. Klopp trusts him to. Like, I don't know, do whatever it is that he does. I will say there were a couple times in this game where I did see. Um, we were trying to make a quick break. The ball got to Genie. And I don't know if it's something in his makeup or something that Klopp has drilled into him, but it's like almost like he kills fast breaks for us. Yeah, I've I've been noticing that about him. Um, in the first couple seasons, it was useful because we were we were not at the profile that we are now. So we especially in in in, in the in the 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 um bigger games against the bigger teams, we were seen as the underdogs. So if we played Arsenal or Man City or Man U or Chelsea, we were we were still the, the underdog at that time. And it was useful having a player like him to break up the other team's play and slow things down. But now that we're on the offensive and we're expected to break the other team down, when we have a break, I agree. He just his his instinct is to to expect to be pressed. And so he's just shielding the ball and he's just slowing things down and taking a few extra moments before making a decision. And that 
kind of kills our momentum. So um, it's not an issue if you have other, like if, if he's playing with Thiago, let's say, and Henderson in a more advanced role. But if you combine him with Milner and then another um, slow thinking defender, then it's just it just makes for such a mundane game. Yeah, I would agree. The uh, The opposite side to that was it felt like uh, Alexander-Arnold played a little bit differently than he usually does. I felt like he, instead of just crossing it automatically every single time through, it felt like he uh, he came in and, and actually cut into the middle a bit more than he usually has before. Do you think yeah. that was by design? So, yeah, I was going to ask you that question. He hasn't been crossing the ball as much as he normally does do you think that's because he's not given the opportunity to or is it because we're just not firing in all cylinders or is it by design because so i could see i could see all the scenarios because let's be honest if you're crossing it into the middle um and firmino isn't doing his job which he's not right now um you know you you're lacking kind of one of your better headers so it's not like Salah's going to head that ball in. You've just got Mane, and Mane is not the tallest guy to to do that. So I mean, from that, he is great on on in the air there, and he scored quite a few of those headers. He he has, but I kind of feel like when you're coming in from the side that Alexander Arnold's coming from, it's really going to either Firmino or Mane, probably Firmino, right? Because you're putting it in the middle. So maybe Klopp is saying, you know what, Firmino's just not getting us the headers, so you need to stop doing that and cut in. Um, I kind of like it. I think it mixes things up and it makes us a bit more unpredictable. Yeah, and it also it, it, it provides the opportunity to see if there's a possibility to transition him into the midfield. This would be the the perfect season to to try to see if there's there's a position for him in the midfield because, I mean, let's just face it, we're, we're running out of midfielders, defenders, you know, we're only good up front. That's where we have numbers. And so I, w- I would not mind in one game seeing him start in the in the midfield uh, with Henderson and Thiago, let's say, right? Or Wijnaldum and, and have Nico Williams at, at right back. I So I think that you hit it on the head, which is I don't know that, that Nico Williams is, or Nico Williams is at the level now to, um, you know, get us, to, to cover Alexander Arnold well enough. Um, so I wonder if maybe that's what's holding Klopp back, although he's never going to get there if Klopp doesn't play him. So he needs to play too. And and he wouldn't be covering Trent because he, he'd, he'd be playing a different role, right? So if Trent is still in the team at right back, at in, in the right of the midfield, we don't need Williams to play the Trent role and, and cross the ball. We just need him to to defend and to make runs and to make space similar to what Robertson does on the other wing, right? Right. I mean, potentially, um, it would be interesting to see. Uh, I mean, Or you, you could even put Gomez he... there because... I, oh, I, no, no, no. I'm losing... I I, I don't know. I, I just don't think he can thrive without Van Dyke at the back. I'd much rather see him at right wing... Uh, sorry, right full back than in the center of defense. I, I, you know what? From the little we've seen him at right fullback, he hasn't impressed me. It's clear that that central defense is his um, best suited position. So, um, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'd love his speed on the side. Uh, there's no one who would beat him around the corner like like people can beat Alexander Arnold. But I just I don't I don't see 
um, Gomez going there uh, for us because I just I don't think he's good enough in that position. That doesn't seem to be his natural spot. I I I hope I'm wrong, but I honestly don't see a long term future for him at Liverpool. I just don't think he. I think he's too deficient in an area that that hurts the team, which is in the air. Other so other than the uh, the header that that gave up the first goal, uh, what do you think of his performance in the game? I think I mean he was typical Gomez, right? So he's he's a good defender. He, he you know he's a he's a he's a good he's not a great defender. He's a good defender. He has pace, but the aerial battles he he's just not intel he he he's not smart enough, and he's still young enough that maybe that can be coached into him, right? So we all know that he's most likely not going to win headers. So why does he go 100% in for them, miss them, and then now he's out of position, right? So he just has to start learning to play smarter. Yeah, I, I would agree. I mean, when you see, um, you know, Van Dyke, if he goes for it, he knows he has it. If he doesn't know 100%, then he tends to kind of, uh, and, and Matip, I think, is probably the best at doing this. He goes right up against the guy. And he right. makes sure that no matter who gets it, you're not going to get around me right away. Like, it's not going to be one of those. But I agree. Gomez gets blown by when he misses those headers. Yeah. So so that's a coaching thing. They just have to coach that into him. Um, I'm sure they're they're trying to, but let's just hope. He, he is only 23. So, I mean, he's still very young. He's younger than Nat Phillips, right? So that's that's kind of crazy to, to consider. It's true. I mean, I... Again, I, I think you can't teach speed, so I would love to see uh, Gomez stay, but it, it might be that he's, uh, you know, there's he's got a limit just because of the aerial ability. Um, but I mean, either way, anything else you noticed in the game, or do you want to go straight to who your man of the match is? Um, I think I think we've covered everything. Milner came on, which was expected, and he did Milner things. Um, Allison had a pretty average game which is good for him right i did I think you think he could have done more on the goal i think he could have done more but i'm not sure if he was if he was blinded or if he was anticipating a harder shot it was it was just kind of a weird one um but yeah i've seen him save those in the past but yeah that was my feeling too yeah i so i i i think there's nobody else in the world who i would have said had a shot at stopping that but I feel like a year ago, well, two years ago, Allison um, would have gotten that. So, I mean, uh, again, he might have been screened by Gomez, who did the old, you know, double duty of first give away the ball and then blind your goalie. So that might have been awesome. Um, and, then, and then also, I'm sure he's still injured, right? Because he was supposed to be out for a lot longer than he came back. He 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 worked hard to rush back, but I'm sure there's still some type of pain or such. Somewhere, Wait, it? you're you're suggesting that the team doesn't thrive under Adrian and people are nervous, so they rushed him back. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> yes, I could I could very much see that. So it's possible that he's under instruction to not throw himself quite as violently as he usually does. Who knows? Um, but I mean, he was good positionally. He came out when he needed to be. Um, yeah. so again, he's, he's still a great goalie, even if he's limited right now, um, man of the match, who do you think? You know, I was thinking about this and it seems like every time we, 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 we talk about who was the man of the match, 
it's less about who really impressed me, but more who who was the most above average uh, out of an average performance, right? Because I, I wouldn't want to give it to one of the subs because they only had half an hour or even less, 20 minutes. So I'd say Henderson was the most steady throughout the game. So I agree. I think that's a good choice. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to blow you away with my choice, which is I don't necessarily think he was the best player or the most important player, but I would give it to, to Nat Phillips. He stepped into his first EPL game and there was at no time did I look and say, man, that was a horrible mistake or did he you know, put us in bad positions or anything. If anything, there were a few times where he came across and actually helped Gomez with headers that Gomez would not have gone to otherwise. Yeah, so I I totally understand the sentiment, and I I can I, I I would agree with you. My question, out of curiosity, is let's just say that were uh, Joel Matip, would you give him the man of the match, or is it purely no. okay? It's for it's purely for and, yeah, it's context. purely for a guy playing his first game right. as a fourth stringer, um, playing with with let's face it, Gomez, who if it was Van Dyke he was playing with, I would have been less impressed. But playing with Gomez, Gomez has not been showing particularly well. Gomez made that huge error, which, to be honest, you know, people don't think about it. That puts even more pressure on Nat Phillips because he doesn't have that supreme confidence. Again, if he was playing with Van Dyke, listen to whatever Van Dyke does, says, and do it. Right. In this case, he can't necessarily just blindly listen. He's got to think his way through, and that's hard for your first game. So, and yeah. I also on the on that last corner that was I don't know yeah. in in injury time I think it was um, he came across and and that was his you know shining moment where he made sure we kept the the win. It reminded me of Sami Hupia. Now I'm not comparing the two players in any way, but it's been a while since we've had. A defender who, well, I suppose you could you could put in Lovren too when he's having a better day, but we're not very aggressive on our headers. Even though Van Dijk and Joel Matip are good headers, you know, you know. But what I mean by aggressive is you could tell Nafils was going to win that header no matter what, even if, even if he had to contort his body and just make sure that he got his head on the ball. Right? Oh, before so, before that kick was taken, yeah, you could see he was getting that ball, right. He would he would morph through people if he had to. He would do anything he had to. That was he knew his job in this game was to make sure that the headers didn't go in because exactly. Joe Gomez isn't going to do that. So exactly. he he had that desire and and it came through for sure. Yeah. So good call on that one. Yeah, I would love to see him. Um, I can totally see him scoring off corners. Oh yeah, he's clearly he's he's got. Um, I, I don't know if it's coaching or just natural ability, but there's definitely something there when it comes to headers. So um, I, I know that we've talked about this, but just quick question. What exactly do you think Gomez was trying to do with his headed clearance? Um, I think uh, one of two things. Either he thought he had a guy there and he was trying to make a pass, or he um, he mishit it. I, I think he I think it it started coming in higher and I think he committed to making a header early. And I think the ball dipped faster than he thought. And because of that, he ended up heading it. Because if you relook at it, he he could have just chested it down. Mm, okay. So I, I suspect that 
I'll, I'll give the benefit of the doubt. Maybe he's so focused on heading it well that he saw a high ball coming in and he's like, I'm heading that. That's my ball. Um, and he he was just so gung-ho to head it that he just committed to the header too early. And then he ended up like, you know, just he headed it way too late. Right? So he should have let it hit his chest and kick it out. So it could be something as simple as for some reason when he was younger, he had a phobia against heading and he just hasn't spent enough time focusing on on training how to head the ball in different situations. And maybe that's that's what he needs. So my belief is actually a little different. It's yes, but I think it's he's and this is this is maybe part of a larger problem. To your point, he might have had a phobia about heading it when he was younger. And so he simply has not had the repetitions mm-hmm. of seeing where the ball travels. Right. So, so I mean, I'm rewatching it right now. The kick comes in, and to be honest, it's a low cross. And just looking at it, I would be like, you either take it off the, like you shoulder it or you take it on the chest. That's not going to get to your head. Like I can see it from the second it leaves that guy's foot. But he probably doesn't have the reps for that to be instinctual. Mm. So I'm wondering if he he sees cross and he thinks head, even when he shouldn't be heading it. Yeah. And so well, he just he made a decision early. And yeah, I mean he's heading it down kind of below the numbers. So it all he could have even probably lifted his foot and just booted it out. Yeah, yeah, because 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 even we talked about this the Everton game, and you said that yeah it was too high for him to head. But regardless of whether the 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 goal that one of the goals they scored was too high or too low for him to reach, he just he doesn't look like he even knows what's going on, and that's really my concern, right? So he doesn't when he goes for headers, it doesn't look like he's thinking oh no I can't get this let me just position or when these high balls come in he's not thinking oh this is too high let me yell at my, my my partner or, or let me run into this spot he's just he just looks totally lost and that's that's what worries me about him so i i think you're right when he like i've seen him go up for a header and and miss the ball yeah completely like in in contact like there's another guy there but it's one of those where you're just like you were like two feet away from it like why are you even going for it so i right. i wonder if he just doesn't have the reps to understand the trajectory of the ball Um, you know, and, and, and again, I, I don't play baseball much. So the few times I've played and and someone hits the ball, it takes me forever and a day to figure out where the ball is going, where other people have played so much that right off the bat, they know exactly where it goes for, for football. When someone puts their foot through a ball, I know exactly where it's going to go. Right. I've had those reps. Maybe he just never trained heading the ball. And so that's why he doesn't really have those reps. Maybe. I don't know. I'm trying to look for excuses. I feel like at this point. <laughs> and I just watched the the goal again. I don't think Allison had a chance. It was well placed. the yeah. The player took a little bit off it. Um, so what I would say is, in those cases, I actually feel like um, keepers should be cheating more than they are. I think he should have used the fact that that Gomez was there and started his dive before the guy took the shot, because. Gomez was blocking the other side of the net, so you might as well go for the short side. Yeah. But again, that's 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 how I played net because I was slow. Uh Allison's much quicker, so you know he's he's playing it differently. And you were but, playing in smaller nets. 
<laughs> I was playing in. No, no. When I played, we played in the full nets. I was just half of Allison's size, so yeah. <laughs> uh, so I needed to guess early. Let's just say that. But uh, no, overall, I mean, good game, good win. Um, you know, I'm, Nat Phillips seems to be kind of the guy that can potentially carry us against uh, teams like West Ham. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily want him in there against uh, uh, Man City if we can help it. But he's, you know, he's steady. He's solid. Uh, and I think he put in a good performance. And I think the best part of, of this whole narrative is that it takes a lot of pressure off Reese Williams. Because if it wasn't for Nat Phillips, by now they'd be writing all kinds of articles about Reese Williams that he needs to be in the team. The guy's 19. He's still lanky. He hasn't grown out or into himself yet. And, you know, he needs he needs to be given the time to to develop into the player that he may become. And he was only playing because we have no other options. And we should just leave it at that. And also because he looks like Van Dyke, right? That's about <laughs> it. <laughs> you know, I think that's a great point. I think he's... Uh good player um i think he's got a lot going for him but i bet you if if we look back in five years i think exactly what you said we'll all be looking at nat phillips and saying you know reese williams career is where it is because nat phillips took that pressure off him um at this moment yeah so i would agree with you uh, for that reason i also think he, he should be mad at the match there you go lots and lots and lots of reasons but uh again i mean a few more performances like this and let's be honest in a year or two would be we would we be surprised if we got 20 or 30 million for um nat phillips not at all right so i mean to have a guy as a fourth defender who can potentially be worth 20 million is a pretty nice uh pretty nice problem to have yeah and at the end of the day we're top of the league we've conceded the most goals in the league but as long as we're keep we keep winning and churning out these results we will eventually play ourselves back into form and um we're either going to win this league or we're not going to make top four so that's my dire slash optimistic prediction For more stories, analysis and articles, go to the ForensicCop.com website.